uh, I'm Pranati. I am the host of Under the Microscope and uh, just finished recording a podcast with Rebecca, uh, who is a postdoc at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark. And she is researching. Uh, so her research is about green energy, so hydrogen fuel cells. And uh, it's, it's more on the basic, uh, basic science level uh, where uh, her group, like she studies um, uh, the reactions that happen uh, in order to um, generate uh, hydrogen and so so I mean considering the current times that we are living in which are with the gas prices going up uh, it's really really important to have uh, green energy put as much money as possible in developing green energy and transferring it from the lab to the to our cars or so wherever so it, it was a really fun conversation about uh, about her career uh, which started in germany then she did some lab hopping here and there in europe and now is in denmark and uh, yeah we talked about her wishes uh, what she would like to see uh, in the research uh, environment uh, as a whole i also asked her a lot of lot of questions because her research is super interesting so can't wait for you all to watch the video uh, or listen to the podcast depending on where you are consuming this so yeah uh, stay tuned uh, for more details about boosting green energy one reaction at a time all right bye Hi everyone, I am Pranauti, your host of the Under the Microscope uh, podcast series. And today we have with us Rebecca Pito, Pit, Pit, wait, I, I'm going to get this right. Pitkovsky, uh, Rebecca Pitkovsky, who is uh, a postdoctoral researcher at the University of Copenhagen in Denmark uh, talking about boosting the green energy one reaction at a time and what better place to uh, do research on green energy or alternative energy than Denmark. So yeah. hi Rebecca, welcome to Under the Microscope. How are you? Hi, I'm great, thanks. Awesome, awesome. Let's, 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 so tell me, tell me everything, tell me everything, but let's maybe start with your research. Could you explain your research to us and Super simple words, please. Yeah, I'll try. So uh, <laughs> I work on making new materials mm -hmm. as catalysts for yeah fuel cell reactions or electrolysis reactions. So how to make hydrogen and how to convert hydrogen again. So basically using hydrogen as our green energy carrier. Mm -hmm. And my work is mostly yeah, on synthesizing the materials and then characterizing them with a lot of x-rays. So I'm <laughs> super excited about x-rays and I think we'll talk about that a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then of course, testing how these materials perform if we can actually have a better catalyst for maybe our fuel cell car or for our electrolyzer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Cat what kind of catalysts are we talking about here? Uh, I thought you just have the water and then you put pass some current and then suddenly there is hydrogen and then you use this hydrogen to travel from Berlin to Hamburg. <laughs> yes, uh, that's pretty much what you do, but it depends a lot. Like if you have your glass of water where you put in your electrodes and put the current, what materials they are made of. So depending on if you have 
just two steel plates that you put inside, or maybe copper or platinum or nickel. Depending on that, it depends on how much yeah, current you need from your socket or like how much you need to put in and how much hydrogen you get out. So we want to make this as efficient as possible. Mm -hmm. And then basically what you would do is put a lot of nanoparticles on your electrode because you want to have a huge surface area. So of course, you know, we want to have as much surface as possible when the reaction takes right. place and we're excited about nanomaterials, of course. Mm -hmm. And then we want to find out what materials these nanoparticles should be made of. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the, uh, the, the hydrogen is made or created at the anode or the cathode? At the cathode. And the cathode is the negative one. Yeah, that's, you do the reduction at the cathode. Right. Oxidation at the anode. So you at the you oxidize your water at the anode and make oxygen, and you reduce your protons on the cathode to make the hydrogen. And cathode is the negatively charged electrode. It's the positively charged. It's the positively charged. Okay, positively charged electrode where you reduce your protons because the protons give the positive charge to the cathode. Did I understand this correctly? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, sorry. I, uh, for, I'm, I always get confused with like, which one is the anode, which one is the cathode, mm -hmm. because it's like switched. But the anode, yeah, in the batteries it switches all the time, but in the fuel cell you only, you only, you always have to think about the anode is the oxidation. Uh -huh. So where you have two vowels, anode, oxidation, uh -huh. and cathode, reduction. <laughs> Uh -huh. so at the cathode, you put the electrons into your material, and then at the anode, you yeah you oxidize it, so you take away the electrodes. Ah, okay, 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 okay. Yes, this this was a very quick refresher for <laughs> But I also get confused about positive and negative, so I always have to think about where is the reaction happening. So where is the oxidation and where is the reduction? The reduction. But this is good, like anode oxidation. Yes. And then cathode has to be reduction. reduction so yeah. it, it, it helps. Just so, vowel, vowel and uh, yeah, consonant, <laughs> consonant. <laughs> right. That's that's good. Yeah. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, I have a, probably a stupid question, but uh, I'm still going to ask you because you are the expert here of the electrochemistry and green and blah, everything, green energy and everything. Um, so, okay, so the hydrogen is created. It's in the liquid, in the electrolyte, the, the, the liquid where we have these two electrodes. Um, how do you uh, uh, store it? Like, how, how does it go from being created at the cathode to running my car. Yeah, so there's a lot of different approaches on how you would design, design your fuel cell for your car. Mm -hmm. So you in your car, you're not going to have like a beaker of water, which you yeah. place in your electrodes. But what you probably will have is like a polymer electrolyte fuel cell where you don't actually have liquid inside, but you have like a plastic membrane, so a polymer membrane. Huh? And then you have gases flowing through. Ah. And with that, you can already make pressurized hydrogen. So that would already be at a high. Ah, sorry, now I'm on the wrong. No. <laughs> now I got confused with uh, electrolysis and uh, fuel cells. So we have to cut that. <laughs> no. So 
I mean, you, you put in your hydrogen, you have a hydrogen tank in your car. Right. And then it runs through your fuel cell, uh -huh. but you don't have a liquid electrolyte. So you have your hydrogen running to your electrode and there right. it's being, because you know, you have hydrogen and oxygen that react together and make water in your fuel cell. Right. The other thing is, of course, the electrolyzer where you make the hydrogen and your cathode. Right. So it's turned around and... Ah, and so in reality, like when uh, in the real life uh, examples, is the other way around. Um, well, it depends on what you want to do. So first, if we want to have it like as a hydrogen economy, so we start to have green electricity mm -hmm. from solar or wind. Mm -hmm. And then to store that, we produce the hydrogen. So we use the electricity to drive our yeah, electrodes in our beaker of water, which is not a beaker of water, but right, right, right. Yeah. we have our water to make the hydrogen. Uh -huh. And then we store that in a pressurized tank, which we put into our car. Uh -huh. And then we use this to power our fuel cell. So you have your pressurized hydrogen car in your fuel cell. Uh -huh. yeah, pressurized tank in your fuel yeah. cell car, sorry. Yeah, and yeah. then you use it to, to power your car through this fuel cell where you basically have hydrogen and oxygen that recombine to water and uh -huh. release the electricity again. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And then you have water that comes out of your exhaust and no, no CO2, but water that comes out of the car. Oh, that is so cool. That is so cool. I, I always wonder. I'm so glad you're on the podcast today, Rebecca. Well, it sounds a little bit confusing how I tell it because uh, I'm also a little bit confused. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing the work in the lab, right? When we're transferring this from lab into the car uh so no it's uh, no it, this is this is really helpful and this is really 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 fascinating and considering the times that we are living in where suddenly the gas prices go up by 34 percent uh which is quite a lot um it's it's really good to be informed about um alternative energy sources because uh, it's, I think, very, very important. Um, so, uh, Rebecca, how did you end up uh, being this renewable energy <laughs> X-ray uh, scientist um, in Denmark as, as a postdoc where you are at the University of Copenhagen? How did how, how has your journey been like? I think uh, the first time I got excited about fuel cell cars, which actually in high school, when I had a really nice physics teacher who was talking about fuel cell cars and like, you can like power your car with hydrogen and it just comes water out. And I was so amazed. I thought that's, that's really exciting. So I think I was 15 at that point, mm -hmm. but I didn't really think about, I want to work with that, but it just got me really excited about energy mm -hmm. material. Like how can, how can we work? Because I, I mean, it's 15 years ago, maybe, but it was already a point that you were saying we shouldn't use fossil fuels for 20 years at that point. So, I mean, it's not it's not a new point. Right. But then you were saying, like, yeah, we can make fuel cell cars. And I was like, OK, why don't we do that? <laughs> okay. And then I didn't really think about it too much and started studying chemistry just because I was excited about molecules and rearrangements and atomic structures and all these. How does the structure of the material function? So I studied chemistry in Dresden in Germany and then I moved to Prague to do my PhD and there I actually started to working on electrolysis so how to mm. yeah make efficient oxygen and hydrogen from water so oh. the reverse of the fuels that what we talked about before that we have 
first we need to store our electricity that we make into into the hydrogen mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and yeah then i did my phd in prague in czech republic for three years in a nice european project and then i moved to switzerland for a short while and then to denmark and now i also work on the other side so also the fuel cell side kind of uh, so a lot of hydrogen on all sides for me <laughs> <laughs> making hydrogen and converting hydrogen <laughs> so your research and your team's research is extremely important for us it's what you described is a very typical traveling scientist kind of a career right you start in in germany then prague then uh switzerland then now in copenhagen um it's 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 uh, it's really cool. Uh, so, what is your experience like um, in terms of people's attitude towards uh, green energy uh, in the different countries? So, in Czech uh, Republic, in Germany, in Switzerland, in in Denmark, can, like are there any differences, like stark differences, where? Uh, I'm assuming that in Denmark, people are like, yes, green energy, we have it, we use it, lots of funding, yeah. Uh, but I'm curious how it is like in Germany, Switzerland and Czech Republic. I think there's overall, there's quite a lot of funding because there's, I mean, of course, there's a lot of European funding, but also the individual European countries put quite a lot of funding in these these. Mm -hmm. Topics. So I think from the funding side, we're on at the right topic at the right time, kind of. Mm -hmm. And I think also if you talk with people about the work that you do, they're always really excited and interested and be like, okay, that's super cool that you try to make it more efficient and try to actually, yeah, make fuel cell cars or maybe stationary fuel cells, make them that we could actually use it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From living in these different countries, I think probably Denmark is the most advanced in yeah, having a low carbon footprint due to, as we talked before, that there's a lot of cycling going on, that at least in Copenhagen, no one uses the car. So that was definitely different in Prague. I think there was a lot more car driving in Prague, but mm -hmm. I think from people's attitude, it's been overall super positive in like all the places I've been in. Mm -hmm. Just every country is trying to do their, their own solution kind of. So there's a lot of wind power being installed here and then in Switzerland there's a lot of uh, yeah water power like hydropower mm -hmm. so I think that's also a, like a very good point to see like how can you actually go to towards green energy sources with yeah what you have available like it doesn't maybe make so much sense to have as much solar cells in <laughs> Denmark <laughs> than in, in some other countries <laughs> so I really yeah. do find like a local solution and I think yeah, just that we all try to work on own small solutions and figuring out what could be the possibilities and be mm -hmm. as creative as we can be. <laughs> that that makes sense. It, it, it's nice to hear that all countries are trying their best to invest and support and find solutions for uh, green energy in order to then, of course, lowering the, the carbon footprint, because I think it's very, very important. Uh, thank you for sharing that. That is really useful uh, uh, information. Think puts things in perspective a bit uh, for me. So, Rebecca, it sounds to me that uh, your current research is, of course, amazing and super fascinating and super cool. Um, 
but I'm sure in the past also you have been invo involved in a lot of interesting research experiments and research projects. Um, if you have to pick one research project that you're most proud of or the most fun or quirky one, uh, could you pick one uh, for us and explain it to us in simple words in the section we call In Other Words? Yes, so uh, I've mentioned it quickly before that I'm very excited about x-rays. Mm -hmm. And many of the experiments I'm doing now is with super high intensity x-rays. So if you think about your x-ray source in the maybe hospital, which everyone knows, the x-rays that we use are a couple of million times more intense. Mm -hmm. And of course, we don't have that in our lab, but we go to a large scale facility called a synchrotron, which is like a huge ring where the electrons range around at really, really high speeds. And then you take out your x-rays and you have super yeah, powerful x-rays of really, really small wavelengths. So with that, we can actually look at nanoparticles and see how are the nanoparticles behaving. Mm -hmm. And I was, as I was saying before, we want to have nanoparticles on our electrode to have the most efficient use of, of the current that we put in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what we tried at this experiment was to see, can we use the x-rays to look into our cell where the electrochemistry is happening? And can we understand how the atoms rearrange during the catalysis? So mm -hmm. how does the structure of the nanoparticles actually look while we do the experiment and not before or after, but to understand how does the structure change while the catalyst is running. Oh, wow. So do, do you have like movies and stuff, uh, like videos where you see like the atoms are? No, it's not like, like a microscope. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what we've been doing is actually x-ray scattering experiments. Mm -hmm. So then we're not in, in real space, but in reciprocal space, right? If you have mm -hmm. your diffraction pattern. So right. we, we're not it's really- basically a graph. Uh, yeah, we're, we're not not having movies, but I think it's possible to do X-ray imaging, but that's not my <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> my experience. I'm really more interested to see, like, to solve how the atomic structure looks, like how okay. are the atoms arranged in your nanoparticle right. while it is reacting. So how does the active structure look like? Uh -huh. Is it much more ordered or maybe disordered than what you had before? Do you have dissolution of one of the active components yeah oh wow that is so cool i have so many questions oh my first one um what is the resolution because i remember for x-rays the what is it not footprint what is it called the the spot print or something i don't know i forgot wow i can't believe i forgot uh you know like for the electron microscope the beam the diameter of the beam yeah. so um, yeah, that also depends which X-ray beam size you use. So you can uh -huh. make it down to a couple of microns. I think there's also nano focus beams, but that's more into the imaging side, right? When we're, we're not doing imaging. So we shoot at your <laughs> whole lot of particles and then you see how do they scatter? So how do they interact with the X-ray beam? And then right. you get an overall diffraction image of your, like the whole sample. Uh -huh. and then you, Fourier transform, do a lot of data treatment, and then you get an information of your average atomic structure of the nanoparticles. Uh -huh. Okay. All right. Second question. Um, do X-rays work well in liquid uh, 
medium because for electron microscopes that's a no go because of the vacuum and everything. Don't you need vacuum for the no. super <gasps> really? Oh my god, that is so cool. Oh my I mean, you can you can think about it exactly as your X ray in the uh, hospital. In the yeah. If you want to X-ray your hand, you also don't need to put your hand into vacuum, thankfully. True. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So it's a it's a super cool technique where you don't have to like you can really look into your reaction environment without needing to change it. Wow, that is so cool. That is so cool. Oh my god, that is so cool. Okay, third question. Uh, you mentioned that the X-rays are like million times faster than when we are like X-raying our hand or whatever. How fast are they? Are we talking about speed of light or are we talking about uh, flash speed? I would. I think it's it's not speed of light, but it's coming close there. Ah, okay. So and you have the electrons that that race around, and then they make the X-rays. So the, the right. particles are the electrons in the. Right, electrons are the ones who are like going around yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and not the X-rays, right? Yes, of course. Oh, wow, that is so cool. So, how many rounds do the electrons have to do? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I don't work with how to create the synchrotron. <laughs> that question I can ask uh, our previous, like one of our previous curators or one of our pre previous guests. Because I think she is an instrument scientist at the Austri Australian Donut, so Synchrotron uh, in Australia. So I could ask her that, like, is it 100 rounds? Like, yeah, but yeah, oh, this is so cool. And 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 and, and uh, so which which Synchrotron uh, do you go to? Do have you been to like several, or is it like one favorite? Or yeah, so we try to go to the synchrotrons that are close to us, of course, and from mm -hmm. Copenhagen that is in Sweden, Lund, which is just two hours from here. Mm -hmm. And they have the Danish beamline there, so Denmark has some dedicated beam time there, so we try to mm -hmm. go there a lot. Then Hamburg is also a really close uh, mm -hmm. synchrotron at Daisy. And then I think mm -hmm. my favorite one is the European synchrotron in the Nobel in France. I think they have the, <laughs> the best beam lines and it's also beautiful to go to the Alps. <laughs> uh, that is so cool. That, 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 you were frozen there for a bit, but I think I, I, I understood what I meant. What was the first one? You mentioned Hamburg, the Daisy, then the first one is? It's in Sweden, Max 4 in Lund. Ah, the one in Sweden. Yes. Oh, that reminds me. One of our previous guests, I think Marjorie, her name was, she also like the freezing of water and she uh, used x-rays to to study the freezing of water like what happens to the water uh, that was also cool um okay and, and yeah well i was gonna ask you do you have like a favorite synchrotron and you already answered at the grenoble um, yeah it's really beautiful um yeah <laughs> so we just gonna, yeah because we're we're applying for beam time, right? We're, we're not beamline scientists, but we write a proposal and then we apply. So we apply at different synchrotrons to hopefully be able to make the experiments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So, and which one will you be at in the first week of October? In Daisy in Hamburg. Ah, oh, in Daisy. Oh. <laughs> it's a nice one. I like that campus. It's really uh, cozy. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, all right, awesome. So speaking of Beamline and everything, uh, it's it's very clear to me, Rebecca, uh, that you really love the research part of being a scientist. Um, what else do you like about being a scientist? Yeah, I love the traveling and because of all the synchrotrons, we actually do travel quite a lot. <laughs> so it's quite busy. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that it's such an international environment and that you can discuss a lot and you have the freedom to focus on your own projects mm -hmm. and be creative. Nice, nice. Yeah. So traveling, uh, international environment and independence to uh, let your burst of creativity just flow. <laughs> Um, that, yeah, you're right. I remember that as well. Uh, in my past life as a scientist, I also <laughs> all three of these uh, aspects. Um, so it sounds to me, Rebecca, that your research experience has been wonderful. Um, and I hope it will continue to be wonderful, of course. However, if you had three wishes to improve your research experience, what would you ask for? And I'm not promising anything. <laughs> yeah. So, uh... I think it would be nice to have more more value for the time that you put in because it's a it's a lot of own motivation that you put in and it's very much pushing yourself but there's very little reward from outside and you don't put in your hours you just work a lot and I think sometimes that would be nice to have I mean, we do have flexible hours but it would also be nice to like see how much many hours did you actually work in to maybe take a day more off or something right yes and yeah then I think that that papers like the how papers are ranked as an importance is sometimes a bit too high because it takes a lot of time to perform the experiments that we do for example and it's it's very hard to like push out paper after paper if you want to do really exciting really cool science with like trying absolutely new things, trying new experiments. If you apply for beam time, it takes maybe uh, nine months between writing the proposal and actually performing it. So it's not it's not fast science that, that we're doing. It's mm -hmm. and I'm, I think sometimes that it's that you're not seeing how much work goes into yeah which work. So you just see okay, this person has I don't know 50 papers and this person has 10 papers, and then you're like ah, he's more successful or she's more successful. That's that should not be the matrix. And if it only it, it if it takes nine months to even perform the experiment, then writing like data analysis, writing it up and publishing it, it's it sounds to me easily two to three years for yeah, it. Yeah, it takes a while. But it's really cool experiments and I love that. <laughs> of course. Of course. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like there should be a field on uh, the scientific papers. Uh, as to like from conception to publishing, how long did it take? <laughs> but yeah, sorry, go on. Um, I think I had a third wish, right? Yes, 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 you should have the two. Yeah, then I'll just wish for more money <laughs> in research. <laughs> it goes against what you said earlier for the first answer where I was asking you all kinds of questions and you mentioned <laughs> the renewable energy research is funded quite well, but you want yeah. <laughs> but I think I think I'm very much on the fundamental side. Mm -hmm. So I we're quite far away from like real applications. 
Mm. And I think funding fundamental research and having like a continuity of being able to run experiments that take a long time, being able to yeah know that you can plan for your future. So I think some some fundamental funding in science. That's mm -hmm. right. That's something I I would love. <laughs> that that makes sense. And so it's not not have... personally for me, but just for like a continuation of. <laughs> So if you had, okay, I have like a tricky question for you. I just thought about it. Um, let's say you have access to, I don't know, X million uh, amount of money, um, X million euros. Let's say 1 million just for making it simple. 1 million just for you, Rebecca, do whatever you want with it. It sounds a bit like Nobel Prize, but never mind. Um, you can either... You can't do both, okay? So you can either pay your salary for a certain number of like until the money runs out, or you can buy an instrument or a bunch of like instrumental labs or whatever. Whoa, how would you spend that one million? Ah, that's a tricky question. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I Not really would like to have uh, one x-ray instrument for the lab where you could measure x-ray absorption spectroscopy with so maybe i would go with that because <laughs> so so not uh, not uh, paying out the salary or like travel expenses or all of that more instrument uh, if i get really a lot of money i, I really like that instrument <laughs> but then if i don't have a continuous contract uh, what should i do with the instrument yeah, exactly. yes. But thank you for for candidly answering, like honestly answering that question. It is a tricky one. If somewhere someone were to ask me that question, I wouldn't be able to answer it either. Like everything. Can I have two <laughs> two million? <laughs> uh this this sounds uh this, this, yeah it it's uh, it makes sense sorry for the mean question where um uh one uh, thing I definitely want to learn from you, want to uh, ask you is before I let you go, Rebecca, because this has been wonderful and I feel like I could talk to you for hours and ask you all kinds of silly and crazy and stupid questions. Uh, but at some point I have to let you go. Uh, but before you go, uh, could you tell us what can the followers of the Real Scientist Nano Twitter account expect uh, in the week that you're taking over the account, which is the first week of October 2022? So I will be at the Synchrotron in Hamburg. So mm -hmm. I will try to give the followers uh, insight and in how does it look in such a large facility. In Daisy, you can actually not see the ring because it's underground. So if we were at the ESREF, you could take pictures around the ring, but uh, we'll just have to do with like a short <laughs> part of the ring. <laughs> the <laughs> like panorama. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but we can like, see some pictures of the experiments and how does it look with all the computers and screen? How do you like set up your experiment? So I'll tweet about that. And then, of course, if we come back to Denmark, I will also talk a little bit more about my science here in Copenhagen. And of course, a little about uh, yeah, green energy and tr transitioning to other fuels and mm -hmm. what, what we do there and what I think might be important. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. All right. That sounds really cool. Oh my! I can't wait to uh, read all your tweets and look at all the pictures and images and everything, everything, everything on, on the Real Scientist Nano Twitter account. 
Thank you very much, Rebecca, for enlightening me. I learned a lot today and it was really nice to meet you. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. We would love to have you again on the podcast and on the Twitter account as well. Um, so thank you very much and looking forward to having you on Real Scientist Nano. Yeah, I look really much forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh Thank you for listening. This is Pranati, host of Under the Microscope. To know more about us, visit our website, thesciencetalk.com, and follow us on Twitter at realsci_nano. underscore